Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org. So, um, Pastor Greg would uh, point out to you that they, I have a formula for writing my sermons. Typically, I start with some little anecdote to spark your interest, grab your attention, and I'll go into the text, make some observations, interpretations, typically give you some Greek or Hebrew definitions, depending on whatever Old or New Testament we're in. Uh, provide another round of storytelling, illustrations to clarify what I'm saying, and then try to land it with a big application so we all know can how the Bible relates to us in the everyday. Now, the art of all this is striking the right balance. Like cooking, we want salt, but not too much salt because that can ruin a dish. I want you to feel, but if I make you feel too much, it can spoil a sermon. And you may not get the point because you got lost in emotions. So today I have a biblical principle that I need you to comprehend because it will help you understand and deal with pain. It will help you make sense of some of your worst hurts. And I know there are a huge amount of hurts here today. Hurts that hurt so much that it hurts to talk about hurts. Also, this biblical principle in here is very relevant to make sense of all the pain and brokenness that we are witnessing in our culture. It will explain why the devil has been so successful in the last 40 years destroying America's Judeo-Christian culture. So I know this is a very hot topic this morning. It's going to be salty, but I'm nervous that it's going to be too emotional and will make you feel so much you might miss the point. I could lose you in the author's illustration and you'd never capture the important biblical principle. So I'm starting with a disclaimer and I'm doing it from down here so you'll recognize that the sermon is not officially started yet. This is just Rob trying to talk to you as a guy who's a little bit nervous, a dude who doesn't want to hurt anyone, but I know I'm going to. So here's the disclaimer. I... Rob McNutt, understand that child abuse is wrong. I do not endorse physical, emotional, mental, psychological abuse, kicking, punching, body slamming, screaming in children's faces, name calling, cursing at, throwing things, intentionally breaking object around children is manipulation and can be very destructive. Inflicting pain as a form of punishment can be detrimental. If these things have happened and are happening, we ought to have some serious conversations about the hows and whys. Some of these behaviors should not be happening in a Christian home. We need to learn and grow. And myself and Mrs. McNutt are here to try to help with all this. We as a church aspire to teach you the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. That is what we are all aiming for. That is the ideal emotions that we want to be experiencing and what ultimately wells up out of all of us in all situations. That's what we want, but it's not natural. 
And it's something that most of us did not have mentored to us. We didn't grow up with that. And it's very, very hard to do. But we have to be honest and brave enough to keep working together on it. That's my disclaimer. Now I'm going to go up there and preach on a very hard topic. So if you got your copy of the Word of God, could you turn to Hebrews chapter 12? And we are on verses 5 through 11. Well, let's see what we're talking about today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God will deal with you as with sons, for what son is there who a father does not chasten? But if you are cha without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be sub in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So of all the biblical subjects that I believe people would find offensive, I think this one can get me into all kinds of trouble with the modern audience. Paiduo means to train, it's a Greek word, right? I think you all knew that. It means to train, instruct, correct, scold, reprimand with words, chasten by the afflictions of evil and calamities, chasten with blows to scourge, whip. Well, that's very broad. That's a very wide range of terms. To give instruction is one thing. Whip is something very different. Nevertheless, it is all part of, it all falls in under the category of what the Greek word pi duo discipline refers to. So I saw in the news this week, parents at a private religious school in Florida are demanding criminal charges be brought against a pastor following allegations. He took off his belt to whip eight children in the fourth grade classroom. He went into the classroom, whipped off the belt, and administered some butt whoopings. Now, 40 years ago, most conservative Christians would have said, I'm sure those little Hilligans deserved it. My dad's policy was, if you got in trouble at school, you're going to get it again when you get home. He just assumed if the teacher was hitting me with a yardstick, with a strap, it was for a good reason. And uh, I did get that a few times in fifth and sixth grade. And when I got home, do you think I went home and told him about it? No way! <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want to get it again. Double the, double the impact there. So I never wanted him to find out. But those days are long gone. Parents will demand arrest and criminal charges. I mean, I suspect this pastor who was just reasoning, hey, I'm just following the Bible. You know, Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction drives it far from him. In Proverbs, the fool is going to destroy himself. 
because of their foolishness, they're going to cause themselves immense pain and suffering, and then they die. So a loving parent will correct that for the sake of their child's life. Now we had the stick. And if dad said, do you want the stick? Go get the stick. The stick was this flat, thin piece of wood, and he wrote that very burst on it. Wrote that right on it. Foolishness in my heart, so raw direction drives it out. Go get the stick. And I got the stick for being bad, for being foolish. That was not uncommon. Talking with all my other friends in the neighborhood, parents used all kinds of objects to administer butt whoopings. Wooden spoons, fly swatters, spatulas, belts, hairbrushes. These were common instruments used for flogging children. In the Spanish culture, the most common practice is the... That's right. Flip that thing off and fire that at you. Javon's over here. Amen. I know all about that. That was all very mainstream. 30, 40 years ago, this pastor was administering the rod of correction. He just assumes that parents in his Christian school would believe this biblical approach to discipline. And now they wanted him arrested. And I suspect if I went downstairs and took off my belt and start whipping up on some kids, probably those parents would leave the church and lots of other parents would be very, very concerned. Well, we just don't need that kind of discipline any longer. Uh, my generation was a bunch of hellions. Your kids are all angels. <laughs> right? Well, things have definitely changed in 2023. Now that I've created a high-level anxiety, let's see if we can learn about loving chastisements. Proverbs 12, verses 5 and 6 is a quote from I mean, Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6 is a quote from Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 is a much-beloved passage of Scripture. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Let's read some of it this morning. You'll probably recognize these are very familiar passages. Proverbs 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace will be added to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart so that you find favor in high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It'll be held to your bones. It'll be held to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruit of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats overflowing with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father, the son, in whom he delights. The author here gives us the keys to length of days, long life, peace, how to find favor and high esteem with God and with men, how to have good health, multiplying possessions, how to gain wealth, and that's all stuff we want, isn't it? My son, you know, how do we get that? Well, my son, don't forget my laws. Let your hearts keep my commandments. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Depart from evil. Do good. That's great. Not a bit of wonder this is a popular passage. We love that stuff. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will have full of new wine. Woohoo! I'm all in for the wine. Verse 11, uh, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Now notice the Old Testament does not say what the Hebrews author wrote and quoted 
in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord love, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Scourges every son is not in our Old Testament translations. Well, the Greek Septuagint was the translation that the author of Hebrews was quoting. Understand that Hebrew was no longer the everyday language of the people in the New Testament in Jesus' times. They spoke Greek. So the Old Testament was translated into Greek, just like we have King James and ESV and NIV and English versions. We have all of these English versions. Their version was the Septuagint, and that's what they read and studied. So everyone loves the long life, multiplying possessions, new wine of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, but whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. Wait, what? Chasten scourges, Greek word mastageo, found in the New Testament seven times. The first six times, it's in the Gospels, it's translated flogged, as in Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, whipped, and then mastageo, here in chapter 12, verse 6, the Lord scourges, flogs every son he receives. Well, that doesn't sound like something God should do. That sounds hurtful, hateful, abusive. But then the author of Hebrews is like, no, no, it's not hateful. You know how we fathers chasten and correct. We discipline our sons, not out of hate. We do it out of love. And our father did it to us. And we respected them for that. Verse number seven, chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse seven. If you endure chastening, God deals with you. As with sons, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which you all have become partakers, then you are Ill Ill illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more be readily be in subjection to the father's spirits and live? That's all God's doing. He's scourging you for the same reasons why you whip your children, because you love them. They're doing wrong. They're acting in a manner that's very disobedient and disrespectful. They have attitudes that if they go unchecked could lead to criminal behavior or self-destructive lifestyles. And the Hebrew audience in 67 AD goes, ah, well, that makes sense. I scourged my boy two days ago. That little rascal, I had to whoop his behind. I love him to death. Hey. That's how they're thinking. Even 40 years ago, mainstream conservative culture in America would have read Hebrews chapter 12. Likewise, would have connected with that comparison that the author gives. I gave my child a butt whooping because I love him. If God is having me go through this painful scourging because he loves me like a son, then okay, I'll thank God for it. He loves me so much he's willing to chastise me. It's painful, but this pain will result in the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Well, then it'll be worth it. Let's just assume the position. That's how the audience 30 years ago would have taken this passage. They all would have understood it. They all would have said, amen, amen, brother. And the sermon would be over at this point. And there are older people in here who are nodding their head going, yep, I got the butt whoopings. I whoop my kids behinds because I love them. But that's not everybody. And this ain't 30 years ago. And I just can't assume that you all know and understand and can relate to this 
old people's way of thinking. When it comes to disciplining children, what worldview do we ascribe to? This biblical one or maybe a secular worldview which says a loving parent would never strike a child. That is child abuse. There is never an occasion a child ought to be spanked. Studies show hitting children only damages them. It does not aid them in growing into healthy, well-adjusted adults. And there'd be a bunch of people in here who would amen that statement. So here's my dilemma. First of all, I'm not trying to parent your kids. If you feel that spanking your kids is not necessary and you've never had to, they're well-behaved, obedient, and respectful, I'm not trying to convince you, no, you're wrong, you better spank your kids. It's not the point. If your kids don't need them, well, praise God, don't spank them. But if you believe someone cannot spank their children in love, if, you if your belief is, if you love, you would never hurt. If you believe someone cannot speak sharply, intensely rebuke their children and still love them, then you're saying this passage of scripture is wrong. The author of Hebrews explains to us that God uses loving chastisement. God hurts us to help us because he loves us. God is permitting me to suffer for my own good. But if that is incompatible with your definition of love, then you don't understand God and you don't really understand love. And you will never be able to understand why there is pain and suffering in your life and in the world. And you will not be able to understand what is happening in our culture and what we would need to do to fix it. And when someone tries to show you these facts, show you the light, you'll be repelled by it and you'll rush to the darkness claiming that's light. You'll embrace evil. You'll call it good. So now you know why I gave a disclaimer at the beginning of this sermon. This is not a sermon about spanking children. We can have a nuanced discussion about a wide variety of disciplinary possibilities. This is a sermon about God spanking you and me. About God spanking America. God loves us when he hurts us, he still loves us. A matter of fact, he hurts us because he loves us and he wants to save us from our foolishness, our self-destructive tendencies. He's trying to rescue us from the lies of the enemy. He's trying to save us from eternal damnation and pain gets our attention. He created us to feel pain when there's something wrong. If your leg's broken, that's a serious problem. Not attending to it will destroy your ability to walk and it'll severely impact your whole life. It will hinder you, not help you the rest of your days. And the way you know it's a problem is because it ah, hurts so much. The pain is so bad, you can't ignore it. it. You have to stop everything to get help and get that fixed. That's what pain does. It makes the problem, pun intended, Painfully obvious, so that we'll fix it. And that's why my father used the stick to inflict pain on my meaty bum. Not bruising, maybe welts occasionally, but it saved me from becoming a full-blown fool. I have, I think you all know this, a mild case of foolishness. <laughs> Amen? I'm working on it, 
but I'm not a full-blown fool squandering my life and money on worldly pleasures. I'm not a full-blown fool obsessing about money and hoarding up wealth and callous to my fellow mankind who are suffering. I'm not a full-blown fool fathering children by many different women and walking away and letting them try to figure it out for themselves. I could very easily be all that, but by the grace of God, I had a father who loved me enough when he saw foolish tendencies in me, he did the best job he could to correct me. He, it hurt me when he did it, but I respect him for it because the small temporary pain saved me from worse pain. And one of the biggest problems in America, a huge segment of our population has grown up and continues to grow up without any fathers there to discipline them. They're fools and nobody can tell them that. They're doing horrible things that are destroying themselves and society and they don't care what anybody has to say to them about it. Well, I'm 52 years old and I still care what my dad says about me. If he said, Rob, I'm very disappointed in you, that would shake me to my core. I'm still trying to do things that make him proud of me. Hey, Dad, I, I was up in Ireland, and I, I, saw, I saw the part of the country where the McNuts come from. Wow, Rob, that's really cool. Yeah. I thought you'd think that was cool, Dad. Hey, Dad, I, I did a missions trip in Spain, and I, I preached the whole book of Jonah, and, and people said it was a huge blessing, and it helped them grow in their faith. Well, that's really good, Rob. Yeah. I, I thought you'd think it was good. You know, I'm trying, Dad. Now, you have to understand that that second conversation about Spain, I had that with my earthly father and with my heavenly father because I'm trying to make both of them proud of me. Both of them have hurt me on occasion. Both of them have been good to me and generous with me and both have helped me both listen to me, and both speak to me. I have two dads who love me, but some people don't have any. And some people, because of their earthly fathers, are scared of their heavenly father. Some people think because their earthly father was abused and abandoned them, that God is like that. Meanwhile, Satan, who is a pimp and a gangster, says, why don't you come join me? I'll show you love. I'll give you something to ease your pain. I'll make you feel pleasure. I'll make you feel like you're having fun, that you're happy. I'll tell you you're a good boy. You won't be. He'll have you hanging out, hung over on the side of the street with an STD, but he'll tell you that's fun and that's freedom and that you are a good person. He'll tell you to kill your baby and encourage other girls to kill their babies, that that's what good people do. He'll tell you your life is all about getting yours. Money's for you to buy pleasures for yourself so you can hoard, cheat, steal, do all you can to get it. He'll tell you all these lies because he hates us and he wants to destroy us, but God loves us enough to hurt us so that we'll realize I'm broken. I need to change. How do I fix this? And we're supposed to feel this pain so that we'll go to his word, see what we're doing that's foolish, make a correction, and then the pain will be relieved. This is verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all of you partakers, if you're without it, you're illegitimate. You're not sons. If he didn't have any pain, it would only mean one thing. Catch this. If you didn't have any pain, it would mean one thing. He isn't chastening you because he doesn't love you. A father does not chasten kids he doesn't care about. And we had this one Korean boy living with us in eighth grade, and uh, he was bombing in school. And I said to him, Andrew, you shouldn't be bombing. You're costing your parents all this money. Do your homework. He said, meh. 
Eighth grade doesn't matter. Only high school grades matter. I was like, whatever. Do you think I would have given that answer to Tony if he'd have told me that? Oh, no, if he'd have dared speak those words, that would have been very, very painful. But I just said whatever to Andrew's bad attitude because he wasn't my kid and I wasn't paying for his schooling. If his parents don't want to crack down on him and they don't make him feel the pain, why should I care? But my kids do. They better not have that attitude if they're bombing in school because dad and mom, whoo, there was a lot of pain coming. That was a big, painful deal but never out of hate. But that's the lie people believe about God. They have believed the lies of the devil that says, you do not have a heavenly father. There is no God. How could there be? There's so much pain in the world. If there was a God who loved us, he'd stop the pain, which is exactly the opposite of what love would do. Because when you love someone who's bombing in school or doing foolish, destructive things, hurting themselves, you correct them because you don't want them to destroy themselves. Well, we had to get after my oldest when he was in high school. He was doing something so detrimental. I said, if you ever do that again, you're not going to live here. You're going to have to go live under an overpass or in the street or I don't know where, in the woods, I guess. He was on a very self-destructive path, so I had to hurt him and scare him away from the danger before he made his life a living hell. I hurt him because I wanted to save him, because I love him, and it worked. The devil tries and lies. He lies to you and says, since there is pain in the world, this proves that a loving God does not exist. But that's the exact opposite of love. The pain exists because he loves us. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. That, that doesn't make sense. I'm hurting because God's punishing me, but I don't need punishment because I'm good. Why would I need a beating? I know all kinds of good people that are really hurting. Do you? See, that's the other lie the devil keeps telling people. You're all good. You don't deserve this pain. Well, here's what God says on the matter. Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous. No, not one. There's none of who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned away, aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. He repeats himself. There's none who do good. No, not one. And why do biblical authors repeat things like that? For emphasis, there's, oh, you all look so good. Yeah, yeah, you might smell good too because you took a shower. Are you good? I'm surprised only one person dare answer that question. No, not, not one of y'all. And he repeats this again in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this mirrors what the Old Testament says. Isaiah chapter 64, we are all an unclean thing and all our righteousness are filthy rags and we all fade as a leaf. You know, that's why I'm getting older. That's why I'm fading. I know you can't tell, but I am fading before your very eyes because I'm a sinner, because I'm not good. Our iniquities like the wind take us away. 
I'm not good. You're not good. We all deserve to be flogged to death. But the reason why we're not being flogged to death is because of Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The only reason why we're not beaten to death is because Jesus, the Son of God, says, we love them. I'll go take the beating so they don't have to. I'll go suffer in their place so they can have grace and mercy and be reconciled back to us. So Jesus got flogged and crucified and executed, but he was perfect and he did it for our sins. So if we repent of our sins and turn to him and ask forgiveness, we can be forgiven. But stop thinking, I'm good. I don't deserve pain because then you're saying Jesus didn't need to die for me. His suffering and painful death was for you. If you deny that, then you have no sufficient sacrifice for your sins. You're setting yourself up for a great deal of pain, and God loves you enough, he's going to give it to you. Now, I look around, and I see lots of pain. I look at America, and I see that people are suffering tremendously, and I'm like, well, this is good. It means God still loves us, and he's trying to wake people up from their deceitfulness and destructiveness of sin. America's suffering so much. Why? Because so many people do not have someone who loves them enough to tell them the truth. Their dad was never there for them to do it. Their teachers just, no child left behind them into the next grade. You know, fail this kid, he's failing. No, 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 just move them along. Don't know how to read anything, does not matter. No discipline, get them out of here. Politicians won't tell anyone no. Politicians, they're not community leaders who try to get individuals to stop foolishness. No, politicians are just people that'll tell you whatever you want to hear, so you vote for them. They don't care if their constituents are destroying themselves or their communities, as long as they can belly up to the feeding trough in D.C., keep on horking it in. They don't care what's happening in the streets. And now the law enforcement, they don't even try to stop people from doing wrong anymore. Want to loot a store? Whatever. Go ahead. Is that going to drive businesses, jobs, services, industry out of your community? Absolutely, but who cares? Have you seen Philadelphia, the trank issue going on? Jennifer, the trank issue going on in Philadelphia? People take that drug, and it turns them into zombies. They shoot that up, and then they just, and they just stand there like this, and they're like half asleep, zoned out, just like that. And you, can, you can see videos of them, just streets of it. We saw it in uh, Canada. We saw it in Vancouver. Because uh, it's, it's legal in Canada. They just give them drugs. Everybody just shoots up and just stands there like that all day long. And then someone comes along and steals their stuff. And they find dead bodies every day. Every day. Nobody cares. Nobody cares enough to tell anybody this is horrible and we shouldn't do that. The cops, if they arrest somebody, now they're not going to get prosecuted. So why bother? Nobody cares that that open border down south is creating a human trafficking, sex trafficking epidemic, and the children are the most vulnerable. Nobody cares to tell anybody the truth about that. Everything that's destroying our society is causing all this pain. It's because people do not know or believe the word of God. It's because they believe the lies of the devil that says, you do not have a heavenly father. There is no God. How could there be? Look at the pain in the world. If there's a God who loved us, he'd stop all this pain. That's exactly the opposite of what love does. Verse 5, you have forgotten the exhortations which speak to you as sons. 
my son, my daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when he, you are rebuked by him. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he scourges the son who he receives. Verse 11, now no chastening seems joyful at the present time. I don't need to go, woohoo, I'm getting hurt. It's painful. But nevertheless, after it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm out of time. Hopefully you didn't get lost in emotion this morning. And now you have a better understanding of your pain. Hopefully this helps you make sense of all the pain and brokenness we are witnessing in our culture. Hopefully you can see why the devil has been so successful in the last 40 years of destroying America's Judeo-Christian culture. So we believed a lie. You never hurt anybody who you love. All hurt is hate. Stop believing those lies. Stop believing those lies. Lord, these are hard things. They go so against everything that secular humanism tells us. This is your, your word. It's tough. It's hard. But it's consistent. You, beat, you had your son beat to death for us. He chose that because that's what it took to save us. Help us see our wretchedness. Help us see our neediness. Help us see our brokenness so that we will turn to you for healing and help and release from all this pain. And Lord, help us to be brutally honest with people who are so in pain and yet so lost as to what light and truth is. They need it. It's hard. They need it. Lord, give us the courage to do this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.